0: Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. Let's begin with some class highlights.
1: Part of teaching, you know, is is wanting to make things engaging and, and really like draw people in and sometimes that can draw me out. And so I notice if I'm in that space of sort of like, performing, like overacting, <laughs> um, it's exhausting. And so now that I've come to recognize that, it feels so much more sustainable. Like it's almost like, ah, I can like feel my, my heart. I can feel something deeper inside as I'm teaching.
2: Like when I feel tension, it like, it's like a bright light goes on and I'm like, oh, uh, what are you doing, you know? And I like, I'm like, whoa, like I'm way out here. And like, that's where the tension is. And so it's like, it reminds me just like what you said, like like pull it back in, just relax. And then it's like, I feel more energy and I feel less tension.
3: As a single mom, I remember, and even I still do it sometimes, but just trying to juggle everything and like feeling like I can never let anything go wrong. I kind of get in that space of like overdoing things um, and I remember early on in my practice I would like told Baba I was like I am tired I was like I'm so exhausted I just don't know what to do like I just don't have it he, he told me he was like just relax <laughs> And I did not know what he meant for so long. And like, really, it didn't occur to me until just now that that's what he was talking about.
4: In my day, I, I don't really have to feel like I'm doing this stuff. Like, like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. Like, it's just gonna happen. Like, I'm gonna just wake up and do the things that I do. I'm gonna do, like do go to work and I'm gonna be just as like good at whatever I do, whether I'm like trying to be the one doing it or or I'm just the one like more observing it kind of like, just
5: kind of watching it happen. When you were talking about building the birdhouse over and over and over, it made <laughs> me think it's something that I do uh, a lot during COVID here is dishes. Shiva really loves to do the dishes. And sometimes I don't feel like doing them, but I have to get out of the way so they get done. And uh, if I'm really out of the way when I'm finished, I feel fine. If I'm not out of the way, I'm grumbling the whole time. I'm, you know, it's like, why do we make so many dishes? But it's just uh, something that I think all of us can relate to.
0: Namaste, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for being here. It's Good to see each of you. So this uh, sutra continues uh, where we left off in the last one, essentially, with this elongated and fabulous metaphor of acting as a way of understanding the relationship between our essential and timeless true nature and the peripheral and temporal characters we play in our life. It's illuminating that relationship between this character and your true nature. In this sutra, we see that as we learn to relax, actually, and allow Shiva to play our part, we actually become more skillful within our life. So I'll say that one more time. In this sutra, as we learn to relax and let Shiva play our part, we become more skillful in our life. And as Babaji always tells us, happier, which is as important. We also learn that the part we're playing and the actions that we're partaking in all day are not quite as they seem and that our attention shouldn't always be so engrossed in this outer manifestation, but rather what's going on on the inside while we play our part. So a lot of familiar themes, um, but from a new angle. And I think this metaphor of acting is a really fun one that for some of us, maybe that are into the arts, uh, it's sort of like um, a real boon to get to look at our practice. Uh, from from this really fun and interactive perspective. So before we break into the sutra itself, I'm going to pass it over to Abaya to lead us in a little bit of movement to help us drop into our bodies, drop into our breath, and feel the present.
1: Hi everybody! Um, you all look like you're seated comfortably. Feel free to make any little adjustments to the hips and the legs. So as Satyam was saying, you can relax a little bit more physically and then relax a little bit more inside and just close the eyes if that feels comfortable and start to bring your awareness to the edges of your body. The edges of the skin surrounding you, encapsulating your physical form. And start to notice the sensations of the skin, and the temperature of the air around you. The sensation of the clothing resting against the skin. Even the pressure of the seat beneath you and then allow the awareness to sink beneath the edges of the body into your inner dimension first just noticing the breath maybe even feeling the heartbeat And sometimes it can be harder to feel this inner space. So just give yourself a moment to bring awareness. Inside. And we'll just do really small, gentle movements to give ourselves something to feel, something to notice, to bring us into the present moment in this inner space. And so ever so gently start to sway the spine from side to side. And just feel that gentle pathway the pelvis rocks and the spine ever so naturally follows along the same theme of relaxing you don't need to make it happen you don't need to force anything you can just allow these gentle movements to occur free of gripping or tension. Let the sways become little circles and just notice how that changes the experience. And move very, very slowly so that you can really feel the nuance of interacting with gravity, your body's intelligence and supporting you effortlessly. And we'll just finish by changing the direction of our circle. and letting the circle get smaller and smaller until instead of moving you, it just helps you lengthen upward. And eventually allow yourself to rest in stillness. Just notice if that very simple exercise helps you to drop in out of the mind into the present moment.
0: From this sense of this place of feeling, we can encounter the actual Sanskrit vibration of the sutra. It is um, sort of one that really resides in the upper palate. You'll feel it's sort of a, almost a in the back of the throat, with the rango, you can try the first half, rango, and then there's a in rango in taratma, rango in taratma, rango in taratma. So have fun with that for just a, another moment or two on your own. Rango in taratma, rango in taratma Taratma. The player is the internal soul. The performer, the actor, the dancer is the internal soul. Rangon Taratma. So embedded in this sutra are a couple of really, uh, how can I put this, astute acting lessons. So it's sort of a two-for-one, take it or leave it, but you really are about to get a couple of pretty good uh, acting tips um, from the Shiva Sutras. Uh, And I can verify this, not because I'm an actor, but because I've taken some acting classes and been a part of some improv classes for a long time. And I remember getting these tips in the terms of acting. It's really fascinating. But of course, it goes so much deeper than just performing a character on stage. This goes to the depths of, of actually realizing uh, who you are, right? Um, despite what the audience or despite how the performance goes externally, this is a big part of our internal experience. So right away in this sutra, Rangoin Taratma. So right away in the sutra, we see a definition of what makes a great actor, okay? Um, the sutra slash Lakshmanju, because he takes a lot of poetic license, but it's super helpful, of course. Um, this is He says, this is how great actors in the universal drama act playing various parts in this world. So right away, we're about to see uh, what makes a great actor. And he goes to tell us there's like three tiers Um, of what what would define like a good a great actor and for those three tiers we're going to be introduced into uh, some words that you are probably familiar with in terms of ayurveda um, sattvic rajasic and tamasic and they they seem here to just refer to uh, the idea of something being really pure um, sort of pure impure and then maybe at the end of it being A little bit less pure. As I was reading this and working with it, I don't think there's any judgment here. I think it's just a matter of trying to help us um, sort of define these terms and and categorize them so that we can see uh, sort of how they relate to each other. And so you'll see the greatest actor is is defined as like this sattvic uh, quality and then uh, and so forth, rajasic quality and tamasic. But let's read it from Lakshmanju slash Shemaraja's uh, perspective. And um, Annapurna, um, it's so nice to see you. And uh, would you mind reading uh, this first part here that is sort of setting us up for this description?
6: Can you hear me? Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little quiet, but yeah.
2: The audience must feel that this actor is actually their character, not just a person pretending to be their character. They must totally disregard the fact that
6: they are an actor.
0: All right. So there you go. That's defining. Hey, a great actor means I'm not sitting here thinking about you and this character. I am just seeing the character you're playing purely. All right, so that's how the sutures are telling us to, and then they're going to go on to describe the three tiers. Tara, how's it going? Um, i want to read this first tier, the Oscar-worthy performance.
1: Absolutely. If the audience is convinced that this actor is actually
4: Rama, the character, this is known as Satvika Abhinaya. This is how great actors in this universal drama act.
1: Playing various parts in this world.
0: Excellent. And so we've got an actor playing the part of Rama, just to make things confusing, uh, because you know you'd associate that with playing the part of almost like Shiva, but this is the part of Rama, and the actor is, is essentially Shiva. And so when he does, when sh- when this is going well, um, the audience is convinced that this actor is actually Rama. And, and Mati, could you read the next two tiers? Oops, did I not make a slide? Oh, my bad. Uh, so for some reason, that slide got, the rest of that quote got dropped. So I can't have Jaganmati read it for us. But I can just read it for us really quick. Okay, he goes on to say, and I apologize, this is not on the screen. Um The next tier down would be Rajas Abhinaya is the quality of acting where the audience feels that there is something of Rama in the actor, and yet they still feel that this actor is not actually Rama. And then the lower quality would be Thomas Abhinaya, Thomas, uh, like Tamasic, and he says, the audience feels that the actor playing the part of Rama is only an actor and nothing else. They're not Rama. And so... The defining factor in this metaphor that's going to help us with our practice eventually <laughs> is that uh, we should really not overact. Okay. In our daily life, we get caught up in overacting all the time. This is like the great sin of acting. Um, not to use too many sort of worldly references here in our pursuit of something, uh, you know, spiritual. Uh, but in Rain Wilson's memoir, he said that that's like, the, the greatest sin of acting is overacting. And he said himself was, you know, he really had to work through that. That's Dwight from the office, in case you're wondering. Um, so when you're overacting, it's exhausting. Exhausting for you as an actor, and it's exhausting for the audience. No one's enjoying it, okay? But our mind will always tell us that we have to overact, like maybe I'm doing it right now, that we have to overact to get this point across, that we have to overact to get our way or to get what we need in the situation, okay? So our mind's always telling us that, and so we keep on slipping down that path. So that's the path of the ego, right? When a pattern is informing your actions, when you're acting via a pattern, and you're really just trying to solidify that pattern, to make that pattern well-known, We feel like if we don't overact in these situations, our life simply won't proceed as we need it to or even fall apart, right? But this kind of effort only reinforces our pattern and rarely leads us in the direction we want it to go. So there's this one game I once played in an improv uh, class and maybe some of you, I know there's some actors in the room, um, Kat, for example, um, maybe you've played this game before, but we are all standing on stage And the teacher said, okay, don't do anything. Don't act like anything at all. All right. And then he brought in the other half of the class as an audience. And he had the audience just watch us. And we were supposed to do nothing. And then at the end of a couple minutes, a cat's smiling. She knows this game. And at the end of a couple minutes, and uh, the teacher asked the audience, so, what do you think the the scene was about? Or what do you think these characters were about? Or how would you describe these characters that were on the stage? And they had, the audience had a lot to say about us. Whether we were, if we were expressing something, they saw that. If we weren't expressing something, that meant something to them. And so there was really no way that we could not express ourselves. And so... This brings us to this quality of maybe we don't have to reach out so much in our day-to-day activities. Maybe by relaxing and not trying to manipulate the world so much, maybe by not overacting, we can actually become and let sort of Shiva play the part more purely, more easily, more naturally And so we can stop trying, trying so much and start being and sort of let the role happen. I know that sounds sort of like metaphorical, but it's a way of interpreting the sutra. And I wanted to show this quote from Shambhavananda that I feel like says it better and simpler. Um, Let's see, who hasn't read in a while? Jagamati was next, thanks, yeah. So Yangwaki, would you read this quote from Baba G? There's two pages yeah. to it. Can you hear me? Loud and loud and clear.
2: Okay. During my day, in all sorts of situations, if my mind is getting too noisy, I will just stop and I will become totally present. When I become totally present, there is no Baba. There is no past. There is no future. I am totally present. When I was walking every morning in Hawaii, I would go to this big soccer field where Faith and I would walk for an hour. There was no past and there was no future, yet I was walking. I wasn't thinking about me or what I was doing or where I was, but simultaneously I was aware of all those things, even though they had absolutely no hold on me. I observed them from a distance and I functioned. I didn't trip over anything or fall down or bump around. That is what it is like. It is exhausting to be in your ego. You have to spend so much energy to support its misinterpretations of reality. The ego is a necessary part of living in the world, but I don't take it seriously.
0: Thank you so much. And then for those of you who just take your time to reread it and to feel with it.
1: I just wanted to share um, a personal example of experiencing this in my day a lot, um, and I thought maybe having an example would uh, inspire you to think of an example in your own life. Um, I teach a lot, and a part of teaching, you know, is um, is wanting to make things engaging and and really like draw people in and sometimes that can draw me out. And so I notice if I'm in that space of sort of like performing, like overacting, (laughs) um, it's exhausting. Like it might be kind of fun, but then four hours later, like lunch break comes and I'm like, whoa, what just happened? You know, I was sort of like outside of myself that whole time. And so now that I've come to recognize that and sort of I have little signals um, when I notice I'm doing it, I've gotten better at just sort of going inside and um, being calmer. And it, um, it feels so much more sustainable. Like it's almost like, ah, I can like feel my, my heart. I can feel something deeper inside as I'm teaching. And just like Babaji said in the quote, it's not like I start tripping over stuff and like that the, the teaching isn't as interesting or engaging. It's just so much more Anchored inside and then I don't feel exhausted at lunchtime Um, so that's sort of what came up for me. Um, And it's something i've been working on for a really long time, Um, but i'm curious if the quote or this example um, makes any of you think of something in your life, where you realize you've been like overacting and maybe the results of that of being drained um, and how you. Go back inside. Yeah, jaga mati. Um,
2: well, like you, I like how you said that you have like little signals or clues, um, and just like lately, my signal to me, it's like when I feel tension. Like when I feel tension, it like it's like a bright light goes on, and I'm like, oh, uh, what are you doing? You know, and I like I'm like whoa, like I'm way out here. And like, that's where the tension is. And so it's like, it reminds me just like what you said, like, like pull it back in, just relax. And then it's like, I feel more energy and I feel less tension. And so it's the same. Like I feel that same experience, um, but just maybe different signals.
1: Mm. Thanks so much for sharing. That's so helpful. And when Satyam kept saying overacting and even reading it, I kept like hearing almost overreacting (laughs) and when you're like stuck in the tension it's like you're so much more likely to overreact and just have that you know instant like rah that you regret later and so i think that's just such a perfect example of what it's like to come back in and then you don't overact or overreact if you guys would like to agree with me that those are kind of similar sometimes (laughs) Thank you.
0: There. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, I, um, as a single mom, I remember, and even I still do it sometimes, but just trying to juggle everything and like feeling like I can never let anything go wrong. I kind of get in that space of like, overdoing things. Um, And I remember early on in my practice, I had like, told Baba, I was like, I am tired. I was like, I'm so exhausted. (laughs) I just don't know what to do. Like, I just don't have and he, he told me he was like, just relax. (laughs) And I did not know what he meant for so long. And like, Really, it didn't occur to me until just now that that's what he was talking about.
0: <laughs> for that, you like for so long until this very moment.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, I I mean, obviously, I've gotten better at relaxing over the years, but it's still relaxing is really tough for me. I feel um, you there, I really do. But now I see. Now I see what you know. It's more in context. Yeah. You know.
1: Wow! Thank you so much for sharing. I want to do like a little happy dance for you. That's such a like celebratory um, realization, and um, hearing you talk about it, it's like it sounds so exhausting, you know, to try to control everything and make sure everything is perfect. And um, though it's so valuable, you know, to to do what you need to do to get everything in order, and then the next step of that. Just like, okay, I did what I need to do, and now I can, like, put it down. Like, I don't have to, like, keep, <laughs> you know, and just seeing you, like, smile and share that. It's like I can feel that you've found how to do that or, like, get closer to that, that state inside. Um, that's really wonderful. Yeah, it always goes better right? When, when we're able to like take that step back eventually, it, it feels better. Um, and then what unfolds is like what Babaji says. is like, oh, it's possible. is better than what we would have like micromanaged into existence. Um, hmm. I saw a hand from Bob and Kat. Um, I saw Bob's hand first.
5: It uh, occurred to me that uh, driving a car, if you're really just telling yourself, I'm just getting from here to there, and you drive, and don't really worry about how people are behaving around you, you get to the end of your trip and you're relaxed. Whereas if you're driving in traffic and you're aware of other people's Cutting you off, or getting too close to your back bumper, or the guy in front of you going too slow, and you're like, "I'm super driver." Uh, you get to the end of your trip and you'll be exhausted. So that came to mind as a, an example of um, <laughs> don't be don't be stressed while you're doing driving. Yeah, that's
1: a great example that we can apply to so many other situations right like if (laughs) like living in the ashram or any workplace like if you just worry about what you're doing man are you going to be so much happier and more efficient than if you're worrying about what everybody else is doing um thanks for the
6: reminder
1: cat oh i see a big smile i can't wait to hear
6: bob this is like a really good segue which has been happening a lot lately that's good um my dog it's nowhere near as profound as what uh, other people are talking about but she's been a really good reminder lately i live in an apartment building that's got like an underground drive that then goes into like an alleyway and then out to the streets we have those really big bubble mirrors so everyone can see And there's like six of them in a row and my dog just figured out that she can see this distorted view of herself in the mirror and so she keeps treeing this scary looking dog in each mirror when we walk so the walk is no longer about the squirrels or the walk or all the stuff that like the really relaxing walk is about it's become about each mirror and treeing herself so every morning and night i now have this like reminder is my dog like instead of walking is just like nope we have to go to each column and get smacked by each of these scary dogs and it's just this reminder of like okay I need to like center myself before I go to work and before I go to bed and remind myself of like what's important and now I'm going to go and take care of all these things that I have to do in my life and like I hope that she'll like get over it but she's also a dog so you you know it'll take some time (laughs) You're a
1: good dog mom that you can simultaneously learn from your dog and have compassion for where she is right now and, and patience. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks, everybody, for sharing. That was um, so fun to witness.
0: Yeah, it's a really fun experiment, you know, to... Just like deeply relax for a moment. I, you know, I am not one to teach this because I'm a master at it, but I'm one to teach it because I'm a sincere student of it. But to just take a moment and, and like try to like deeply relax, like you're not in control or need to control anything around you for just a moment, you know, just, just, just a moment. And just like let yourself totally relax into your breath and into the space of your heart. And really release that grip. It's not just in our fingertips. It's in the sinews, you know, that run through our tendons and it's in, you know, our bone marrow, it's, it's deeper. So you have to really feel for that experience of relaxing and releasing. It's an active process. It's not a decision. It's a practice. And just notice if there's any kind of unfolding that happens, like usually the minute you start to try that, you encounter how you really feel in a given moment. Maybe you're really tired. Uh, Maybe there's something physical that like nudges at you. That's fine. You know, you just just relax with that, right? You just keep letting things unfold and you keep trying to let it be there without pushing it or pulling it for a moment. So this is how we get out of the way. And as we get out of the way with this very obvious, simple practice, it's like Shiva is finally the actor. Shiva is finally moving you. We're not laying anything on top of this situation. Just letting the situation be as light as it is. Imagine the muscles of your neck that lead down to the shoulders. Try to release tension there. Feel the top of your head, the scalp, all the way up and over to your eyebrows, to the forehead. Try to soften that whole space from the eyebrows, to the forehead, to the scalp, to the neck, to the shoulders, to your back. Imagine this like warm water, like being in a shower and just letting it pour from from above down. And what we find is that as we allow Shiva to play the part, to play our part more and more, that it's not inert. It's not that we become motionless and without expression, without feeling. What we know from the sutras is that very clear qualities of being consciousness and bliss shine through no matter what our character is doing. Now, this isn't always easy. I'm not sitting here reeling in bliss. Maybe some of you are. But it's the path. The path is to peel away, to surrender, to release. And in so doing, allow Shiva to play this part simply and naturally. And we got to do that throughout the many scenes of, of our play we call our day and so you're welcome to move your spine a little bit move your shoulders a little bit and what's really amazing and, and obviously fun about our practice is that you don't you don't have to stop doing it like you can keep doing it right now why would you stop you know you can just keep trying to relax while you listen there's really nothing holding you back except for your willingness to practice it and it's like this really fun game that we could play anytime we like and when you play it really well it like makes you feel really good so it's even more than a game So is there any questions or comments about that before we move on to the last half of the sutra? Yeah, doesn't it, I don't know about you, but when, I, when, when those kind of things finally synthesize and you're like, oh, I could be doing that more often, it's like, why wouldn't I be? And I'm like, okay, an hour from now, where am I going to be? What am I going to be doing, and will I be trying to do this? You know so I'm going to try. And so the second half of this sutra is begins with with this quote. "Well, oh, let's have someone else read um, calling from.
1: Sure. Um, how about Megan?
0: All right, Megan.
1: Okay.
2: <clears throat> um, here in this universal drama, the actor is the internal soul. They're acting in this universe just to reveal that this universe is actually a universal drama.
0: Seems a little circular, and it is for good reason, and we'll see why soon enough. But we got that fun little picture of the mime uh, holding back the dog that isn't really there, um, and in a way, this is a great metaphor for for our work as yogis, because as yogis, we keep our attention inside while we participate in the outside of our life. And in a way, this is similar to the work of a mind where they have to really create their reality from within. They create it from within in order for it to manifest the outside. Right. And so Babaji and our teachers and sutras, everyone tells us the same thing that you create your own reality that the reality you keep on encountering on the outside is coming from the inside you're creating um and before you even realize it you know what you're encountering something that came from within and so as we learn as yogis to pull our attention inside we're starting to get more in touch with the moment of creation of our reality. And so we learn to see that our actions, which is obviously the same as the word acting, our actions in this universe are not as they appear to be from the outside, that our actions are actually ways that we are revealing our true nature. Example. Let's say you are in a play and you're and you're in this play and in your role, you're supposed to build a birdhouse. Okay. And so you're building this birdhouse and you have all these lines that you're delivering while you're building the birdhouse. And you build this birdhouse. Let's say you got really into building the birdhouse, you know, um, but then at the end of the night, you gotta take the birdhouse apart so you can rebuild it. In tomorrow night's show right and then you got to do the same thing and rebuild it in the next night's show you got to build the birdhouse it's the part of the play but it's not really about the birdhouse now in the theater aspect we'd say oh it's about the it's about communicating what's going on inside that character you know maybe they're building this birdhouse and that's just a symbol of the love that they feel for their mom or dad or whoever the birdhouse is for, right? Um, And so that's sort of where it might end at the theatrical level is a character analysis in a way to to act that character. Now, in our work as yogis, we, we don't really ever stop with where that's going because we're building this birdhouse and just the first stop would be the emotion or the feeling that we have while we build it. But that would just be the first stop because essentially whatever that action is the very action you're doing is a chance to reveal not just the nature of this scene or the emotion of this character but according to the sutras to reveal your true nature to reveal the universal drama that's happening in that moment to reveal the play that's occurring. Got to build the birdhouse. Got to pour the concrete. Got to bake the cookies. You got to do what you got to do, right? But there's something so much more important happening on the inside. And when you look at it from a samsaric level, we all have jobs that are very repetitious, that do. We sometimes do. We do do the same things every day, right? And if you get caught in the things, it can get pretty boring or mundane. But if you just look at the things as these ways of revealing this greater play, that's when it shifts. And so in our practice, you know, essentially this is what we call selfless service, right? That's how we practice uh, building the birdhouses of our life uh, with detachment in order to grow. And so Shambhavananda has... Uh, this quote about selfless service that sort of illuminates its quality.
1: How about Allen? Oh, Alan, all right.
3: Mm.
4: All right, selfless service can help students pull themselves out of the negativity of self pity. Selfless service provides a way out, though it is a gift that few people have. They most often are doing something for money or for some type of return. They are looking for satisfaction. They have an illusion that this behavior is going to bring some satisfaction. People mistakenly think that if they change something in their outer lives by going here or there, then they will be happy. A teacher can help you avoid the perceived need to change your external circumstances instead of your internal
5: circumstances.
0: Just in case anyone wants to see the beginning of that again so selfless service provides us with a way out of samsara but a way out you know of this a superficial rendering of reality a way out of our tensions even right think about this mind <laughs> if you have the if your role is to walk this crazy dog you know um and in a way, you actually, it is challenging and upsetting. It's funny, I didn't plan on having the dog reference after Kat's comment just happened to be there. Um, you know, you sort of have a choice in that moment, you know, are you going to become the emotion? Or, are, or is there some way that you're able to detach from it while continuing to walk the dog, while continuing to potentially be frustrated, as Faith tells us? Just because you feel that frustration doesn't mean you got to be coming. Right? It happens a lot. And so selfless service is our way out. So it's like for homework almost, you can imagine in a way looking at whatever task you're doing, like a, a birdhouse that will need to be disassembled tonight after the show and that you'll be reassembling it tomorrow to almost think about the task you're doing in a bigger scope um, as if this thing will happen many, many times and that the only difference is going to be where your, where your awareness is. And with that said, you know, is there, is there a time for any of you where you feel like selfless service, seva, of course, karma yoga, um, did give you that shift? You know that all-needed shift. You know, was it just the very fact of approaching this task, and then did that shift sort of lift you or shift your perspective even beyond that one task? Yeah, the word "save" will save you is, you know, common. Say.
1: So. And I know not everyone lives close to an ashram and you know can't go to the ashram and do seva but there's so many things like in daily life you know taking care of um, something for your parents or your neighbors or even in your job so many people in the sangha are, are teachers and are really like serving um, a student body or an, an individual student so just in case it's helpful to think of Seva as something more common in your life than maybe we give ourselves credit for sometimes. Hmm. I think having a pet is kind of like Seva, right. <laughs> you know, even though, he, yeah, um, even though they're giving you so much too, you know, it's like even though the ashrams giving you so much too, um, but it's like you're taking care of something and providing for them and uh it's annoying sometimes but you do it anyway with love in your heart a lot of pet owners a lot of parents um in this group so you guys all do SEBA on a daily basis i'm sure
3: i relate to this um in a kind of a weird way i like to be very efficient with my time. So anytime I feel like I'm wasting time, I get very in my head, that headspace that's go, go, go. Um, but lately I've actually started changing the situation instead of feeling like the situation is sucking the energy out of me. Um, whenever I start to feel that way, I'm like, how can I pour energy into this situation.
0: Mm -hmm. Essentially, like, um, yeah, like flipping the, flipping the direction of your energy, right? Yeah, and it's almost like when you say pouring it into the situation it could be like pouring it into my internal experience of the situation you know pouring it into the actions that Action. i'm performing pouring it into my experience of these actions you know pouring like just it's almost like the the scales get tipped throughout our day and we start to feel drained and we start to feel you know exhausted or or anxious i feel like was the word to use. And, and it simply means like Jag and Mati said earlier, like, our energy is going out, you know, a lot quicker than it's coming in. And so when we shift those scales to, for example, even just like the tactile feeling of the thing you're doing, um, of the experience you're having of it, of the peripheral vision of the room that you're in while you're doing it, like the situation, meaning the experience of the that you're having in that present moment is definitely a means for the the detaching, the detaching aspect that allows you to go to not get so consumed by the activity itself, but to be more withdrawn into the experience of it. So this is one interpretation of what you were saying.
3: Yeah, just getting out of my head and playing the actor, so per se, and actually just
5: soaking up the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, I so your hand go up, and I might've missed another hand, I apologize. I
2: just have a comment question, a comment slash question. Um, so, I feel like when I teach, um, meditation and, um, especially meditation, um, as Seva, like I just wonder your opinion as a teacher, like whenever I like start my day, even when I start with my practice, but I'm in like my home life, um, I can get pulled out easier. And then when I'm like going to Omananda to teach meditation every week, like I always get so much energy like I just am in that place like it just puts me in that place and is I'm just like wondering your perspective on that like is that like the energy of Seva like what it's talking about here it's like pulling you out of the self and and like and then it's like the energy just can put you right where you need to be
0: yeah I mean absolutely it's like you have a if you have like a desk that you always work at you know and it's just like when you sit at that desk you just shift and you just you know whereas if you try to get that same work done literally the identical work done at the let's just say you have another place you don't always work like the kitchen counter or something it just feels endlessly distracting so yeah you're right there's a it's it's true there's like a space there's like a shift that occurs it's a positive samskara you know but it's a positive it's a some scar in the sense that it's a pattern uh a flow that's uh, something that starts to flow but it actually flows in and it's something that you've built you know you have to build those it didn't just happen it happened because you recognize so many times the benefits that you just started to like you have you don't you have no resistance you know to it of course there will be times when there's resistance but overall when you sit down at that desk you just you just start working because you know it will work um so yeah i mean that's the benefits of regularity um and just in just doing the work and it's sort of a, a hints at when the she when the yoga sutras say when Patanjali says that uh that this experience that we're seeking is our natural state that eventually things start to run in inwards like that this actually does become like a pattern for us to like go in first and to create our ra- reality from within and so it sort of hints at what's possible it doesn't just have to happen on the way to that one place it could eventually will begin to happen in more and more places according to our teachers Kyalan mm-hmm
4: talking about i like the way you were talking about the samskaras and like the flow and we kind of get into like patterns and those aren't always bad they're just kind of like how we're structuring um ourselves and our lives and stuff and uh something that this that what we've been talking about has reminded me of is that i've kind of thought of something um recently and that's and it almost kind of reminds me uh when bob was talking about driving because you can when you are used to driving somewhere, like you can get in the car and it could be pretty unconscious. You could just get from point A to point B without even like thinking about it. Um, But it just goes to show that like we can do stuff without having to think about stuff. Like you can, you like you wake up and you brush your teeth and you eat breakfast and like, you don't really have to like think about a lot of that stuff. And and yet we are trying to be more present while we do it, but I've just kind of been playing with this thing where like in my day, I, I don't really have to feel like I'm doing this stuff. Like, like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. Like, it's just gonna happen. Like, I'm gonna just wake up and do the things that I do. I'm gonna do, like, go to work and I'm gonna be just as like good at whatever I do whether I'm like trying to be the one doing it or or I'm just the one like more observing it, kind of like just kind of watching it happen.
0: Mm. Yeah, I see a lot of nodding going on while you were talking, Dayalan. So I think a lot of people are enjoying that. Um, I saw Bob's hand, but then Ma, did you wanna respond directly to what Dayalan was saying? Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, real quick, I just wanted to say, um, it just reminded me, like in Ayurveda, why they put so much focus on daily routine, and like that's why because when you get in a routine, you have you don't have to spend as much energy making decisions and try to think about what's coming next, and you can like reserve that energy, you know, for other things.
0: Absolutely, like Brahmacharya, like that. It feels like that's you know <laughs> the ultimate structuring of one's you know reality in order to reserve. Or as uh, Patanjali says, in, in order to sort of like open up endless amounts of energy with which to grow spiritually. You know, once those structures are there, it just flows. That's cool. And then Bob, you are unmuted. Go for it. We're running out of time. But oh,
5: ahead. yeah. I'm sorry. I just, uh, oh, w- when you're talking about building the birdhouse over and over and over, it made <laughs> me think huh, was something that I do uh, a lot during COVID here is dishes. Shiva really loves to do the dishes and sometimes I don't feel like doing them but I have to get out of the way so they get done and uh, if I'm really out of the way when I'm finished I feel fine if I'm not out of the way I'm grumbling the whole time I'm you know it's like why do we make so many dishes but it's just uh, something that I think all of us can relate to.
0: You're right that is a wonderful Point of reflection for everyone did you, you, did you right on. so yeah these, let's let's keep these two focal points in mind you know as the next few weeks go by um the idea that you can relax and relax and relax and relax more and more and you're going to let shiva become the actor of your life and you're going to win an oscar that way that's how you win the oscar um because shiva is the greatest actor um and shiva is the one who wants to come through you know in our lives and then to surrender you know over and over the task that you're doing uh, just 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 a thought experiment you know in that moment like what if you know it wasn't about this thing and that there was something else going on inside that i could be connecting with you know what if there's something even more important than this task that's going on behind the scenes it doesn't mean stop the task but it can shift your awareness and so, yeah, have fun with that, um, the sutra, and and let it sort of percolate. Let it happen for you because if, uh, if you bring it into your life, that's when it really starts to blossom, of course. So we're out of time. I'm glad we meditated earlier. Uh, it always happens that way. You never know. But um, thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and for making this as special as it is. It's really... Um, it's one of those classes where it absolutely is dependent on all of us as a sangha, and I really feel like we're starting to uh, be able to carry these these classes to greater levels because of the synergy among all of us. So thank you for being here.